Welcome back to Friars on the Farm Podcast. My name is Donovan Jones. I'm your host, and I'm joined as usual today, always, with Roy Thomason. Hello, Donovan, Hi, and Roy. welcome back to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we spent the last week in uh, the southern tier of New York. Well, the last episode, you know, we had recorded with um, our episode when I was out in New York, and we just got back this last Wednesday, and man, my arms are tired. No, it was just, it was a fantastic Fantastic trip, you know, going out there and being with all the Padre fans at, at the ceremony for Trevor Hoffman and the other players was just fantastic. It was, I, you know, I'm a simple man. I'm, I'm easily amused and I'm overly emotional on stuff like that. So it was fantastic to see so many people. Um, Charisma, uh, at Crazy Charisma on Twitter, she got together this big group of Padre fans had Padres social media, ML social media, uh, MLB social media showed up. Um, we took a bunch of videos, a bunch of pictures, um, and Darren Smith stopped by, uh, and then Uncle Teddy showed up. Oh my gosh. And dude, um, I, he was just swamped. He, he just stole a show, you know, and um, he was just so happy to be there, so happy to take 5,000 photographs with 50,000 people. I was just, Every Padre fan, he must have taken at least 40, 50 pictures with, with fans. Um, in the same area, Greg Vaughn had came over and people were taking pictures of him. Yep, Tom Hughes had a picture with him. Yeah, and if you saw some of the pictures of him on Twitter with that with that Miami Vice pink blazer <laughs> that he had. That thing was amazing. And his patient wife, because his, his wife's kind of standing off the side, kind of going, ah, you know, kind of enjoying the moment. But, uh, you know, and Greg was a really big, uh, really nice guy to... Let you know all the Padre fans take pictures, and um, you know just getting there. And what I loved about, real quick, what I loved about the uh, his speech was none of it, none of the speech said I I I. Yes. This everything was uh, something that he's been taught, something that he learned from a you know was taught by a family member um, that he learned from another teammate. Um, the experiences that he gained working with other people, it was always. Not, I did this and I did that. You know, like his famous quote when he came home one day and his brother asked how he, his oldest brother asked how he did. And Trevor goes, oh, blah, blah, I went one for whatever. And he's like, no, how the team did. Mm-hmm. You know, and that instilled in him at a very early age that it's not about the individual, it's about the team. Yes. Um, and I'm like, and I got emotional, you know, it's, you know, you just seen that and being there. Uh, I got emotional. I didn't say I get teary-eyed, but, you know, I got beclumped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, we grew up watching him and kind of idolizing him and experiencing that at Jack Murphy Stadium. I mean, I think about that when the bells would start ringing with 60,000 people in the stands, and it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Well, one thing that stuck with me and just, you know, random train of thought, since we're talking about it, he brought up a bullpen catcher of his, Mark Marilla. Yes. That was his bullpen catcher for many years. And my brother-in-law had a brain tumor. And that's how he got to know Mark Marilla because Mark Marilla also had a brain tumor and that's what cut his playing career short. He was a shortstop, he was a promising guy out of Minnesota and then the Padres drafted him after he'd had his first bout with cancer but he was still a promising young player. He had another seizure, the the tumor had come back and his career was over so the Padres extended him the the opportunity to be the bullpen catcher. He was a shortstop until that day. Mm. He'd never gotten behind the plate. 
but they just liked him so much. He was that much of a gamer, that much of a cerebral guy, that much of a hard worker, that they knew that they wanted to keep him around. And so they found the job for him. And there was a really good article uh, um, in The Athletic that Dennis Lynn wrote about Mark, I think Dennis Lynn wrote it, about Mark Marilla, talking about his whole backstory and then everything that's happened since then and specifically focusing on the relationship that he and Trevor had. Mm. That they had a they had a very close relationship, and I heard that about so many people that came along with Trevor right. through his career that he impacted people in that way. You, know, you think a closer is a minor part, a relatively small part of a major league team, but he was a large part of that team from a leadership and a personality standpoint. And as a player as well, you would think, you know, he's a, he's a famous closer. Like I don't do, I just do my work. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about the club nation. You know, he named us three guys that I'm like, who are those guys? I'm like, oh, it was the clubhouse guys. Yes. And you know, he talked about being the the, uh, the relationship with him and Mark Marilla. There's no, you know, a lot of times he didn't have time to go talk to Balsley or, or the any other pitching coaches. Like he had to go right to the source. Like, hey, how's that look? What am I doing? Yeah. And Marilla, he told uh, he would talk about how Marilla um, brought him back, and he he was the bullpen catcher for 10, 15 years. Oh yeah. Is he? Is he? He's not anymore, right? No, no. He's a scout now. Okay, yeah. And, he, and, and he went on the scout. He doesn't travel much. His health won't allow him to travel. Right. So he's basically the pro scout in Minneapolis. He goes to every home game in Minneapolis, and he's a scout for the Padres. So he's scouting both pro teams, and the Padres don't play American League teams all that often. Right. So, but still, there's a value in in that. But at, at the same time, they're giving him a job. They bring him down to Arizona a couple times a year. Um, you know, they brought him down. He was here in San Diego when they had that 1998 weekend. Okay. Obviously, they sent him out to, to Cooperstown. So it's it, it that's one of those stories that kind of makes you feel good about the Padres organization that yeah. they do good things for good yeah. people. Yeah, and and that's huge. So that was it was a blast. Um, we stayed about an hour. You know, I I, I wanted to try to go to a Binghamton uh, Rumble Ponies game, the double Met, uh, the double A team for the Mets. I couldn't do that. They were in uh, Altoona. Um, but it was just so nice, and we were there. It was like a, it was like a re- recon. We showed up the day of, parked the car, walked, was at the ceremony. Literally, literally turned around, got in the car, drove three hours back to uh, to where my in laws live. Um, so I hear that. I mean, so Cooperstown has like three thousand people at best, and then on this weekend, fifty thousand people come from every corner of the planet. Yeah. To attend this, and the whole city prepares, city, the whole town prepares all year long for that one weekend. Yeah. And I hear that everything goes off without a hitch. Everything goes off without a hitch. Um, it's kind of like that's their moneymaker. People were, you know, were parking cars on the lawn, but it's it's Cooperstown. Like, you could have left your keys, and I, I was hearing stories of people leaving their keys with the people of the home and going like, hey, we'll be back. Um, where they make all their money during this weekend, and it's like 53,000 people need to eat, 53,000 people need to park their cars. 50, there's a lot of income coming in, and it just infuses all that money into that into that part of the uh, of the state or the city um, for the one weekend. Not to mention, um, it's a beautiful place. It's just beautiful, and you drive down Main Street, and I'm not sure what the name of the street is, but right down the middle of of um, of Cooperstown, it's straight out of Central Casting. Mm. It's small shop here, diner here, baseball memorabilia 
Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, it's just, it looks like Main Street in some small town in, that you see in a movie. Uh, and um, no one was drinking, no drunk people, no fights. It was the most, if there's a utopia in baseball, it is at the Mecca. You know, I, I, would, I would see that maybe in some of the religious sites of the world where everyone just gets along. You know, and everyone's there for a common purpose, and it was fantastic. And I just, I, I, I was so blessed to be there. And I mentioned that in the last pod, how blessed my life has been to be able to be there. And, um, and yeah, it was pretty damn cool. Oh man, I'm kicking myself. I wish I could have been. So I need to give a, a shout out on our on Gaslamp Ball. Um, somebody I know through Twitter, Nate Pickering has written a couple of pieces talking about just what an amazing experience it is and going into some of the details of his experience from the weekend. So I recommend jumping on Gas Lamp Ball and looking in the fan post section and checking out Nate's Nate's pieces. Yes. Oh, but we're not here for Hall of Fame talk. We no, are here, we're here for to talk about some minor league minor Padres. league baseball. Yeah. Real quick, just happened today or yesterday, Jacob Nix was promoted to El Paso. Congratulations, Jacob Nix. Nice. This, this is his second time in El Paso. He was promoted at the end of last season when they made the playoff run. And he had an incredible start. He did. During the playoffs. Yeah, I want to say he pitched like six scoreless innings. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, Padres Farm tweeted, he had 52 innings, 52 and two-thirds innings, he had a 2.05 ERA, a 3.41 FIP. A 7.01 to K to nine, strikeouts per nine innings, a ratio, and a 1.54 base on ball to nine innings. That's really solid. And he was kind of shaky at times, too. He had a couple of bad starts. Yeah. So to have that kind of a stat line across, I mean, 52 point, that's probably, what, 10, 12 starts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a year. And, yeah. and there's still plenty of season left. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up at the end of the season in September. Right. Right. And this could be the that stepping stone that gets him up there. Yeah, he'll definitely be a candidate for next spring. He'll, he'll probably get an invite to Major League Camp. Um, and he might be one of those dark horse guys like Lucchese and Lauer were this spring. Right. Show enough to maybe not make the roster spot, but be the first call up if someone goes down, there's an yeah. injury, someone skips a yeah, start. Yeah, because you think about it, really a Major League team needs – 12, 15 pit starting pitchers to get through the season. Yeah. It's not just yeah. a five-man rotation. There's a lot more than that. Yeah. And uh, and as we've known from the Major League team this year, people go down and they're done. You know, Dennis Lamette. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, I, I I found he's got a couple of uh, evaluations from Baseball Perspectives they had tweeted out. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I, in, I just didn't have time to put him in the agenda for next week. Or, sorry for this episode. Um, they cover Mason Thompson and Mackenzie Gore. So baseball prospectus, among other things, they post scouting reports occasionally, eyewitness accounts. And so that's what this was. Um, just to kind of briefly go over what Mason Thompson, you know, he's a tall, good athlete, heavier than listed, 186, projectable growth, average arm speed, three-quarters arm slot, uh, with clean arm action, mild effort, 1.39 delivery time. Interesting. How they have a delivery time. Yeah. Because yeah. You steal, you don't steal off the catcher, you steal off the pitcher. You do. Um, overall, Thompson, the former third round Texas prep star, has the build and look of a future big league starting pitcher. However, the lack of feel for the secondaries is limiting his future ceiling. There is still some room for physical growth, so you can see the fastball tick up a notch. Pair that with a, with a change that continues to develop, and Thompson will be a solid bullpen arm. 
He's six foot seven. Yeah. And in pictures, he's got that big, broad-shouldered kind of a build. Yeah. yeah. And he's on the disabled list right now. So, you know, and that's just projecting for someone that's, he's an A-ball. Yeah. You know, and, and as we say here almost every episode, every one of these starting pitchers aren't going to be, it's not going to be 15-man rotation. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are going to be bullpen, some of them are going to wash out, some of them are going to, you know, maybe some of the ones that we don't think are going to be so good will become starting pitchers and, and, and do well. Well, he's only 20. Yeah. So there's a lot of development to go. They they gave him a future rating of 45, which is roughly a major league average yeah. player. Um, fastball plays up due to extension from delivery because he's six foot seven, straight and heavy with late life. Locates well to all four quadrants. Potential for uptake in velocity as body matures. So extension. They're talking about how how close he is to the plate when he actually lets go of the ball. Yeah. So that gives a, a perceived. If you if you if you have a lot of extension, then it looks like the fastball's on you even that much faster. A 95 mile an hour fastball might feel like 98. Yeah, that's one of the things that made Randy Johnson so lethal because he was 6'10". He's 6'10". And so it looked like he was letting the go of the ball right in front of your face. Well, and another major leaguer, Chris Young. Yes. Also was a big tall guy. So when he released the ball, he was only maybe 89. Yeah. Um, but it looked like 95 because he's about four feet away from the plate when mm -hmm. he releases the ball. Well, and Carter Caps was kind of taking advantage of that with his hop, skip, and a jump yeah. off of the off of the rubber. Which is yet to be seen in the major leagues this year. Yeah. Uh, but I digress. Uh, below average present. So uh, on the, the curveball. On, on the on the curveball. Uh, below average present for the curveball. 12 to 6 movement. Only through a handful of my lugs. Inconsistent lax feel. So that tells me it's a show me pitch right now. Yeah. That he's trying to develop it. Yeah. And that's what eight balls for. Mm -hmm. uh, the changeup below average present inconsistent arm speed replication will overthrow flattens up in the zone when right pitch does have some fade to it. When right pitch does have some fade to it, still developing has potential to be his best secondary. Okay. That talks about bullpen. That says bullpen. Ninety three with the you know the fastball, decent change. Mm -hmm. You're a bullpen guy. Yeah, but then if that curveball winds up developing into something a little bit better. Maybe you've got the repertoire to go a few innings. Yeah. We'll just, well, yeah, absolutely. Keeping hitters off balance. Hey, so now let's move on to Mackenzie Gore. We're going to go a little bit more deeper into this uh, because Mackenzie Gore is our number five top prospect, number six top prospect. Whatever, our top pitching prospect. Yeah. And, one of the best prospects in all of baseball. And uh, I have it here, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Absolutely dominated yesterday. Absolutely. Um, so he was seen a couple times. He was seen seven four and seven nine. So he saw two two uh, two starts. Uh, so future saw twice in the same week. Yeah, future number three. They say future number three starter. Uh, the ETA for him is two thousand twenty. The mechanics all mechanics all and thin, long legged, projectable frame, semi wind up with hands going high. An exaggerated leg kick. So wait, they they say he's a real the realistic estimate of him is as a number, number three right. starter, but their what was it optimum future potential was that what the OFP stood for? Yeah, that's seventy, and seventy. This is on a twenty to eighty scale. Yeah. Kind of trying to explain this for people yeah. that maybe don't pay so much attention to this. The twenty to eighty scale is what we're talking about. So a seventy on that is an all star front of the line kind of a, you're one of the best pitchers in baseball you right. don't see 80 grades right right Mike trout had an 80 grade hit tool it, it that that rarely rarely comes along it comes along once in a mike, mike trout yeah <laughs> um 
You know, and that's projected number three starter in, in A ball. But that's like if things just kind of go eh for him, yeah. then he'll be a number three yeah. starter. Um, plus arm speed, three quarter slot, stays online, clean, balanced landing, potential for plus command, mild effort and delivery. And that's what I like seeing is mild effort. Um, you know, when they when they drafted him, who was it? Hunter Green and Brendan McKay were the other pitchers that were in the same conversation. Yeah. And these guys threw high 90s, 100 miles an hour, but they look like it's max effort. And so you wonder about the stress, the strain that that puts on the body. So when I hear that it's a mild effort, that it's it's a free and loose delivery and the ball just explodes out of his hand, that's what we're hearing about Luis Patino as well. That tells me that there may be some more, uh, less likelihood for injury. Exactly. Not the max effort, and I hate to go this over again, but Peavy, like... Mm-hmm. Jake Peavy just like, whoa, you're like, every time he threw the ball, you're like, wow, is his arm going to fall flying off his arm or, or off his shoulder? I just, it was max effort. Um, overall, Gore, number three pick in the 2017 draft, has the look and stuff of a frontline starter. The delivery has a, a lot of moving parts, but when broken down, is remarkably balanced and clean, giving potential for a future plus command. The repertoire is advanced for a teenager, and it's easy to see three, if not four, offerings being above average. There is concern that the blister issue has nagged to start a professional career could linger. If you can stay healthy, Gore has a high ceiling profile of a top of the rotation stata. So now this draft, this this report was almost a month old. Yeah. He's made it through the last month strong without any issues. He's been getting right up to his pitch count limit in every start. Yeah. And we'll go over that a little bit later on. Um, you know, the curveball currently is a 60, future is 70. Yeah, it's sitting 78 to 80 miles an hour, peak at 80. Um, it's movement, is a one to seven movement, sharp bite, confident, and will throw at any count. Uh, that's that aggressiveness I like about him. So they say here that his, his fastball has a future 70 rating, his curveball has a future 70 rating. So that's two elite pitches. That's yeah. not two good pitches, that is two elite yeah. pitches. Yeah. Um, Change up, nice velocity separation, replicates arm action well, showed some tumble, left some up. Still developing feel. That's just for the change up. Um, the slider only showed a handful of times and looks raw, struggled with the release point when right offering did show strike to ball sweep. Okay. Um, just, I, I wanted to get those out. I love getting those reports and, and just seeing what other people really think about them. Mm-hmm. You know, our players. Um, but moving we're, on, we're a little bit biased. Right, right. <laughs> um, here's a couple other that I got. Um, last week, uh, athletic Detroit writer Emily Walden visited Parkview and Fort Wayne Tink Caps and tweeted the following reports. Uh, Padres 2018 fourth round pick Dylan Coleman, 6'5", 215, out of Missouri State. Fastball slider mix, fastball 94 to 96, topped out at 97 with late movement down and away. Slider 82 to 84 miles per hour and missing bats on both sides. I saw an article, uh, it was actually about a week ago. Apparently Dylan Coleman almost threw an immaculate inning and somebody was breaking through, breaking down the pitch locations and everything. So an immaculate inning is three strikeouts on nine pitches. Yeah. I love, I love that aggressiveness that he's just gonna come in here and okay, I'm gonna bring it. See if you can hit it. Yeah, and he's moving fast. Um, 2018 10th round pick, Jose Quizada. Quizada? Quizada, yeah. Quizada. 5'9", 175 pounds. That's a little guy. Yeah. Out of Texas Tech. Native of Chihuahua, Mexico. 
Uh, fastball ran 91 and 94. It topped out at 95 miles per hour with late life. Told by a scout today that his that he hit upwards of 97 in college. Nice. I'm a big fan of Emily Walden. I, I've been following her. She's mainly writes uh, about the minor league uh, system for the Detroit Tigers. Um, but I've been following her for a while. She's one of the excellent women, just excellent writers. I don't know oh, if yeah. she's a woman writer, but just an excellent writer. Well, and she seems to give a lot of attention to Padres prospects. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just seeing that because I'm filtering it through my Padre fandom, but it seems like she really likes the farm and likes, you know, it's, she doesn't have to write about Padre stuff, no. but she's tweeting about us all the time. Yeah. Um, and she had said something like the beginning of the season, in the last season, in the offseason, I think she would said something like she likes Padres fans or a Padres Twitter. I think Padres Twitter she said something about. <laughs> and she made a whole bunch of friends with that. You know, and, and so the Whitecaps play the Fort Wayne uh, Tin Caps. So she's in she's in the area with, you know, following Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Emily, she uh, just put out this article from her time in, in Fort Wayne on Luis Patino. Uh, it was last in The Athletic last Wednesday. Uh, if I recommend you guys, highly recommend to spend the money to get the athletic. You can not only have to follow the Padres, but you can follow other sports if you do. Um, but primarily, I have it for basically just Padres stuff. Um, she wrote an article on Luis Patino. Um, and I just want to showcase a little bit of it here. I don't want to read the whole thing. But Patino on his teammate, Mackenzie Gore. In fact, Patino has drawn comparisons to a teammate and one of his closest friends, Padres top pitching, uh, pitching prospect, excuse me, Mackenzie Gore. When you watch their delivery, you can see it because Patino's added a leg kick and it's they're like mirror images of each other almost. They are, right-handed to left-handed. That yeah. high leg kick. Um, this is Patino on Mackenzie. Mackenzie always helps me with my curveball because my curveball, I need work on that. Patino said, when I throw with him, he gives me advice for the curveball and same for me when he throws a slider. His best pitch is a curveball and my best pitch is a slider. So we have good relationship and I think it's good for us. The article goes on more about how they talk, he teaches him English and they're just, dude, those two guys are BFFs. That won't, not only does it warm my heart, I love that, but it just, ah, oh, as a Padre fan, I've been wanting this for so long. So last year, this reminds me of Jacob Nix and Logan Allen. Yeah. They kind of had a, had a, the best friends rivalry, kind right? of a thing going yeah. on and they're always and so I love seeing this that these guys connected they're helping each other out because you've got coaches you've got you know whatever trainers your catchers but to have pitchers working together so you've got a good curveball I've got a good slider how can I make your slider better can you help me with my curveball that's that's so cool that's what baseball's about right there to yeah me. just today I saw on Twitter I don't know who tweeted it um but Patini was doing his bullpen, and who was standing right next to Burt Hooden? But was Mackenzie Gore. Uh, um, so this is this is uh, Chris Kemp, Padres international scouting director, um, on on Luis Patino. While it isn't entirely certain how quickly Patino will move through the system, Kemp and the Padres have made it clear they plan to let Patino and his effervescent personality dictate the pace of progress. "Quote: I didn't know it was going to be as special as it turned out, it turned into." Kemp said, "As a scout on the market." You get short looks, short bursts, and you got to make quick decisions. But I knew it immediately after we reported to the complex after we signed him. You knew it was different. You knew it was special. The article talks about how he 
got to see Patino. He I was love that story. Sh- oh my God. That they sh- didn't even know that he was going to, they yeah. didn't know who he was. Yeah. And they kind of were down there like, well, we saw what's here. You know, oh, well, I guess we're not going to find anybody. And then something comes over the loudspeaker right. that Luis Patino is going to throw a bullpen in between these games. And they go over and they look at him and they go, oh, we found our guy. Yeah. And at the time, he was 150 pounds dripping wet, throwing <laughs> like 84 yeah. to 86. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you look at the frame. You can see the motions. You can see that that there's development. Right. But who would think that a couple of years later? Because he's is he 18? Yeah. He's so, 18. And he was signed at 16. So how would you know that in a couple of years he's going to add 10 miles an hour to his velocity and have several plus breaking pitches? Yeah. And just be shooting up the system. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. He's he's the uh, he's. He's a lot lot to dream on. So he's been pushed aggressively so far. He's already way young for his level. And he's killing it. And they just said right here, basically, they're going to let his his personality dictate the pace of his progression. So if if he's mature enough, if he's handling himself right, and if he's performing the way he wants to, why don't you push him? So just like how you've got Tatis in double A right now. So no reason why he might take a quick hop through Lake Elsinore and skip right on to double A if he shows the ability. Yeah. God, next year in Lake Elsinore is going to be pretty tight. Oh, <laughs> you know, we're going to get McKenzie, man. we're going to get Patino, we're going to get uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, who tonight threw six innings of no-hit baseball. Oh, my God. Five strikeouts, one base on balls. I just saw that right before I got here uh, to Roy's house where we're, we're taping tonight. Uh, we are just, okay, so to, moving on. Also, I found this this week, uh, Marissa Jensen from MILB wrote an article on Hudson Potts. Uh, Hudson Potts is 288. Uh, 356, 517 slash line is batting 364 in July. He struck out 103 times but drawn 34 walks. This is a quote from Hudson. I feel comfortable. I think I'm more disciplined. Every game, I think there's something that I'll pick out. Just little small things that will help out. And I'll remember them. Something might come up today and then a couple of weeks later I'll see the game, I'll see the same team and just remember little small stuff like that can give you a little bit of an edge. Sticking to a routine in practice also helps. Uh, another quote, Leaning, learning how to pace yourself on different stuff, whether it's in practice, just getting in what you need, not too much, not too little, uh, just trying to stay consistent. I think it's helping me out. He has a 17-game hitting streak going right now. Yeah. Strikeouts are concerning, but when you're developing as a hitter, they're going to come. And in the major leagues right now, strikeouts aren't a big deal, but I understand... Mm-hmm. Let him move at his own pace. Um, I remember last last episode I asked Kevin Charity, who, you know, why haven't we seen him move up? But he's young and he's developing and we're fine. There's no rush. He's also adjusting to, uh, better to his new position at third. He was drafted a short. I totally forgot mm-hmm. that he was drafted a shortstop. Yep. That's, that's the thing, though. You draft athletes and they will move wherever you need them to. Yeah, kind of like our major league club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Will Myers taking grounders at third base. I heard Corey Spangenberg was taking grounders at shortstop sure. today. And then when Dennison said he didn't look bad. Well, I mean, Freddie Galvis can't play every inning anyway. God, right. Um, he admitted it was a bit of a learning curve at third, but he's getting the hang of it. Uh, transition, transition's been good, he said. I'm more comfortable this year for sure. Last year, there were a lot of firsts. Every game, there was something that would come up. This year, definitely a lot better. So that was a that was an article that was uh, written by Marissa Jensen, MILB. Uh, Want to also throw out some shout outs. Uh, 
a lot of this content that we've gotten is from Mad Friars. Uh, they have solid interviews with Logan Allen, Jacob Nix, uh, Travis Radke, and, and Chris Paddock as well on their site. Um, and real quick, EVT, James Clark interviewed Travis Jankowski for the Major League Club. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm glad to see he's starting to get some more inroads into the Major League Club. You know, mm-hmm. he's worked really hard with that relationship with the Padres, um, getting that access, and they're slowly starting to feed him more. And to see that, you know, some of these blog sites, and, and they don't want to just be blog sites. Some of these, you know, like James Clark, Mad Friars, um, they want to be more than just sites that write about the team. They want to interview these guys. They want to put out content mm-hmm. with the team. They do. And um, it's nice to see that Wayne has uh, loosened the reins and allowed uh, James Clark a little bit more uh, access to the team. I mean, why not? It's it's publicity for a for a yeah. team that's struggling for a fan base that may be you know getting frustrated and walking away why don't you let these other outlets come in and get some access and yeah. get some more good press out he's a homegrown guy he's from san diego yeah you mentioned so you mentioned travis radke and he's been a story that i've liked following this year he's been hurt he's been down the last couple of years now as a as a reliever he's i think 25 years old and he's in fort wayne yeah so he's it, you don't see guys that old at a level that low very often, but he's he's being incredibly productive down there. Um, I listened to an interview with him on the the Mad Friars put out a podcast, and it's their radio interviews. And he's a very intelligent guy, and I liked listening about how he watches the batter that's on deck and watches their swing and trying to come up with his own little scouting reports because you don't get that kind of information at that level. Right. And you're, you're only going to see these guys once or twice a year. So yeah. you can't build a book about somebody. But watching how somebody swings, you know, they swing over a slider. That tells you something. Or they took a fastball that was on the outside edge of the plate. That, that gives you some information. Yeah. How do you take that information and use that for the next pitch? That's pitching. That's not just going up there and, you know, I'm going to blow 100 by you. Right. It's, you need to learn how to pitch to pitch. be good. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, it's not just throwing, it's pitching. Mm-hmm. And pitching is keeping hitters off balance and a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned Kevin Charity. Yeah. And I'd like to take a minute here. We had Kevin on on our last show. Yeah. Um, and we were grateful to have him on. Fantastic guest. Very knowledgeable guy. And over the weekend on Twitter, somebody decided to go digging in his old tweets and find some stuff from that he said back when he was by his own admission, when he was young and dumb and just trying to, yeah, trying to be cool or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Right. I don't know Kevin personally. I've only you know dealt with him through this, but I've heard enough people vouch for his character and the person that he is, and seeing his own reaction and how he owned it. And yeah. and and tried to explain it and did a better job explaining it than anybody any of the major league players that the same thing happened to. So I just wanted to give my vote of support. I'll be happy to talk to him anytime if he wants to come back on here. Or we're definitely gonna have him on the on the show again. Yeah, it's a fucking podcast. This isn't you know if if you think our you know having Kevin Charity on here because you think he's uh, he tweeted out some. And if you read the tweets real quick, if I read the tweets, I read every one of those tweets. If you don't see them from what they are, a giant effing poser, <laughs> someone trying to be something that he's not. Yeah. And who hasn't tried to be someone that they're not? Mm-hmm. I have, and I, 
I've done things in my past that are absolutely downright shameful. Um, and I'm grateful none of that stuff was on social media. But we all live, we all make mistakes. And God, thank goodness for growth. You know, I'm not going to throw someone away because they said something stupid four years ago. Mm-hmm. Hell, I said something stupid not that long ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've said all the racial and, and just... At one time, we've all said things that we regret. And I've said things that I don't believe. I've said things that I don't, um, I'm not proud of. I've said plenty of things just to get a reaction. Exactly. And, and if you can't see those tweets for what they are, and I'm not telling you what to think or don't care, I'm just a white guy. You know, <laughs> which probably gives me zero word in, in this discussion on race, on homophobia, on sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I too, which one of like I, I'll have him on anytime, um, and I'm more than willing to give someone a second chance because God knows I've had more chances. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in a dung s- s- pile in India with no arms, no legs. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I got what I truly deserved, I'd probably j- be in jail or dead. So my life has changed. I see other people's lives can change, and I'm going to support that. I'm going to support moving forward and growth in, in someone um, because we all are just, we're human, dude. We're human. And uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to bring it up because we're not here about, about what's happening on social media. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have them on again. Yeah, and just thinking I, off the cuff, I, we both grew up, we were teenagers and in our early 20s before social media was a thing mm-hmm. at least for, i mean i know you're a little older than me but i first came upon social media around like 2005 or so when we, facebook was becoming a thing we talked with cans in stream yeah yeah so i'd already done most of my dumb stuff but my sister's a manager in human resources and so i started posting a couple of pictures of me playing beer pong when i was in college and she made the point to me that everything that goes out there is out there for good and when you go to get a job they're going to go and they're going to dig through everything you've got and if there's any time that anybody ever wants to try to get something on you they're going to dig and they're going to find whatever you put on there so you need to be careful about what content you put on so if i was growing up today angela's daughter's 15 years old and so it's about time for us to have that kind of a conversation with her that you need to be mindful of what you're putting out because who knows who might be trying to dig something up 5, yeah. 10, 20 years from now. And particularly when it comes to employers and, and jobs and they look at social media now. Yeah. If I could have been tweeting and Instagram and whatever about all the stupid shit I was doing when I was 16 years old, oh my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank God there were no camera phones. I was in support of the Ryan Ludwig trade. Okay. Thank God I couldn't put that on Twitter back in the day. I've got a good story about that for another day. Okay. All right. Well, so back. So back to the back to the agenda here. Real quick on the Major League Minute. Um, you know, Colton. This is a little bit old, but Colton Brewer and Robert Stock have been recalled. They're up in the up in the uh, in the bullpen. Robert Stock doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Colton Brewer has actually maybe had an inning or two. I, it's been really busy in my life. I haven't really seen. He's been kind of up and down all season. They've. Bring him up. He'll make an appearance. They send him back down the next day. I yeah. kind of feel bad for guys to do that. They collect a lot of miles, though. Um, Walter Lockett also came up with Eric Lauer going on the DL. Walker Lockett will be making the start tomorrow. Really? They just announced that, yeah. Okay. 
And so we're going to go right into El Paso after that and, and talk about Brett Kennedy. The guy that I wish was making the start tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So last Friday, the, uh, the 27th, uh, Brett Kennedy was roughed up in the first inning, allowed two earned runs on three hits and a walk. He was nearly unhittable thereafter, including a stretch when he retired 11 batters in a row. In his last inning of work, he struck out the side around a one-out single, finishing with 98 pitches on the night. The 23-year-old now has the fourth-best ERA in the Pacific Coast League at 2.56 and has finished at least the fifth inning in 14 out of the 15 starts this season. Trey Wingenter struck out three of the four batters he faced in the eighth. <clears throat> in his last 13 outings, 14 innings dating back to June 16th, the six-foot seven flamethrower has also allowed just two earned runs, good for a 1.29 ERA and a 17-to-eight strikeout-to-walk ratio. So with Eric Lowry getting hurt and and uh, uh, Perdomo already being on the DL, I wonder what it's going to take for Brett Kennedy to get his, yeah. his chance. Yeah. And then Trey, Trey Wingenter coming into the season, I thought he was a guy that we might see at some point this season. At the beginning of the season, I'm, why, I'm like, yeah, he'll be up here. He'll be closing the game when somebody gets traded. Yeah. So I figured they might have been holding on for the trade deadline. Yeah. Trade deadline came and went. We didn't see as many trades as we thought we might see. So maybe that's giving these guys a little more time. But, man, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Uh, anyways, the next day, Saturday, after starting just two of his last six games in the system, Francisco Mejia started behind the plate Saturday and collected three hits. The 22-year-old switch hitter had her double and two singles in four at-bats while catching and batting in the third spot. He is five for his first 12 in the El Paso uniform. Also, Trey Winchester came in for a scoreless ninth to record his third save. So, yeah, Mejia picked up right where he left off yeah. with Cleveland's system. He just came over here and starts hitting. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple notes over here. Dylan Overton and Seth Simmons both came back from the DL. Dylan Overton was dealing with a lat issue. He's a starter. Yeah. Seth Simmons is a reliever. He's a Tommy John rehabber, so he's kind of been – they're, they're kind of taking the slow path with them. He'd make an appearance, start feeling something, back off for a couple weeks, come back out. Um, the the crummy news to me, Colin Ray, he's also on his way back from yeah. Tommy John. He had a stellar outing, five innings pitched, two hits, two walks, ten strikeouts, and then he went back on the DL. Yeah. So it's Colin Ray looked good when he came up with the Padres a couple years ago, and then Tommy John surgery, and and I thought coming into this season, he might be fighting for a rotation spot yeah. right out of the gate. And it's little slow, little hiccups here and there. And there was something that made me think about, you know, they were talking about, well, next year we got all these young pitchers coming up. We were kind of saying the same thing last year. And I counted coming into spring training, I had about 12 or 13 guys on my list that I thought may have a chance to make a rotation. And you look at who's gotten hurt, who and Chris Young retired. You've right. got Strom and Erlin that have been limited. They haven't really been opened up to a full starters load. So, and it takes 10, 12, 15 starters, like I said, to get through a season. So you can't just look at, oh, there's six or seven guys. Yeah, we're good to go. It, it takes a lot more than that. A guy like Colin Ray, I was counting on him to take a spot for yeah. at least a handful of turns this summer. Yeah. And now I don't know if we're going to see him. And that's tough because – you want to see guys come back from Tommy John. You want to see him at least get back to, to normal strength and, you know, and producing and, and giving, helping the team out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Corey Lukey is another ex, ex, you know, example of that. Oh, man. The lefty just, uh, 
That breaks my heart. It does. Uh, so that wraps up San Antonio. Oh, sorry, that wraps up El Paso. Uh, moving on to San Antonio, uh, last Wednesday, Chris Paddock had five and two-thirds inning, a two-hit ball, eight Ks. In four double-A starts, he's faced 79 batters. Twelve have reached base. Ty France leaves the Texas League in RBIs. Uh, this is last Wednesday at 69. Who's got second? Josh Naylor. Nice. <coughs> Naylor also has more walks than strikeouts. Beautiful. That's what you do when you hang out with Luis Urias for a season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this last Sunday, Jacob Nix matched a season high by throwing 96 pitches as he worked into the eighth inning for just the second time in his career. The, go on. Did you see, and so he got pulled in the ninth inning. He wanted to finish that game out. And so there was a there was a clip of him down in the dugout, and he walked by Paddock, and he like grabbed Paddock's face and screamed at his face, oh, right. and kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The guy's a gamer. He so I wonder if Jacob Nix is going to be one of these guys that when he's under the spotlights, he rises, yeah. and when it's just a ho hum game and he's just doing work, maybe he has a hard time focusing. But so he put high leverage situations. Yeah, so he had an opportunity to close out the game, to complete game. He was so close, and he got pulled, and he was mad. I'm sure he understood why. Yeah, you're not going to argue that the coach was wrong, but that showing that like, oh, I wanted it, I wanted it right. so bad. Right, I, right. I want that in these guys. Right. Well, it was playful too. It wasn't like I think the tweet was like fake angry. You know, it was yeah. like who's playful was like ah when you when you just miss something like. Man, if I would just threw mm-hmm. one better pitch. And you know Paddock's just as much of a competitor. Yeah, going, ha-ha. <laughs> um, so the, he gave up three hits in a run before getting out uh, in the first and then entered 11, then retired, excuse me, 11 batters in a row. The third time this year and has, a, uh, excuse me, where am I? Nick struck out eight for the third time this year and has 29 over his last 30 innings of work. Striking out about... A, a batter per inning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monday, so I watched this game. This was uh, against the Hooks. Um, there, man, I took, real quick. Framber Valdez was perfect through like seven innings. Mm. He had 12 Ks. We just could not. He was just electric. But who else was electric? Logan Allen. Turned in another great start, pitching six innings of two-run ball. Allen had arguably been the best pitcher in the system all year and has a 2.08 ERA. In the season second half, opposing hitters, excuse me, opposing hitters are batting just 199 against the southpaw. He has just he's walked only six people over his 43rd and the third innings. I watched this game, so the first thing, it, it was just they knew what he was going to throw. Every hook hitter hit the ball hard, got you know just seemed like okay he's probably going to throw a curveball here. Ooh, he threw a curveball. Well, they you know they got they hit it. Um, it seemed after that inning where he gave up those two runs, he was a different person. Different pitch sequence, different, uh, just different location. He just turned it on. He like got pissed. I wonder who was catching him. If it was Austin Allen or, I think it was Austin Allen. Because that's not just the pitcher doing that. Yeah, somebody's putting the numbers down. Yeah, pretty sure it was Austin Allen. Um, But it was just a, you know, I loved watching that game. I was in New York. Uh, My brother, my sorry, my father-in-law. I watched the game and. He's like, who's this guy? I'm like, ah, that's going to be our starter in a couple of years. Um, it was a really good game. Moving on, uh, Tuesday, the next day, like, I, like, every day, 
you know, if it's not if it's not San Antonio, if it's not Fort Wayne, it's the storm, you know, going down to Tri Cities. The starters are just killing it. I love that somebody tweets out every day who's starting that day today, starting lineup, and they yeah. show who's starting at all the yeah. and every single day you look and there's at least one pitcher up there, you go, Ooh, oh, he's starting today. Oh, Luis Patino's going today. Oh, Chris Paddock's starting today. Yeah. It's 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 fun. When do I get off work and how many meetings can I watch before I have to watch another game? Yeah. So that Tuesday, Chris Paddock was just dominant. He just dominated. He gave up a run in the first, showed the curveball, still a work in progress. I, he threw a couple curveballs, a um, couple of really good strikes. It is a work in progress, but it's there. And he threw more than just one. Like, I, I watched several innings. Like, I watched the whole game, uh, his whole start. And, you know, it was a show me pitch, but it's a show me pitch that's getting better. Um, but you know his the guy who was pitching against for the for the hooks, Corbin Martin was perfect through six as well. You know, wow. just, God, the hook, and the hooks are the best. They're now winning. They're three head of San Antonio. This this is the Astros affiliate, Astros right? Double a. In Corpus Christi. Yeah. Uh, Paddock allowed one run over five innings while striking out seven and walking zero. Per reports, Paddock was sitting 94-96 on the fastball early and ended the night still hitting 94. After the brief, briefest of hiccups in his strikeout and walk dominance when he reached double-A, he got through his second start in a row without allowing a free pass to bring his overall total for the year of 110 strikeouts compared to seven walks. That's just insane. That's not human. <laughs> for context, folks, he was praised for having great, he was praised for having great control after walking seven and four hundred, uh, four hundred forty-five and a third innings, excuse me, in 2015 draft year, in 2018 following Tommy John, when control is usually off a bit, Paddock has just walked seven and eighty innings. Insane. That's just nuts. That's just crazy. Um, Andre Munoz, ladies and gentlemen, is a human being. Uh, he allowed a run for the first time in 15 and two-thirds. So this is Andres Munoz, the 18-year-old out of Mexico that throws 102. Flame throwing, but if you hit 98 and you throw it right down the middle, they're going to hit it. Oh, yeah. And they did. The 19-year-old came up with one with uh, with a one-run lead, two outs and a runner on first. He issued a leadoff walk and a pair of back-to-back singles before Austin Allen threw out the runner to end the inning. Nice. And Austin Allen, who has a 36, and now, last week, I think it was 38%. Now it's up to 36. He Two guys thrown out in that game. Well, and that was the knock on him. I yeah. think last year he was under 20%. They could run wild on him. Not anymore. Yeah, 36 he fixed, he now. fixed something. Uh, Munoz has walked six in, in 10 innings as he is just to having his slider look better out of his hand to get chases from a more advanced hitters. Okay, so maybe that speaks to tunneling yeah. a little bit. Trying to get the same release point with both pitches. Trying to get the pitch to start on the same trajectory before the the fastball takes off and the the breaking ball separates. Yeah, and that's just development stuff. He's 18 years old in Double A. Yeah, and when you can throw 102 and rookie ball, you can just go up there and pound it by guys. Yeah, like Baez last year. Yeah, and he's he throwing 98. Munoz started in Tri Cities again this year and was there like a week for like a half an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's finally some decent news from uh, Kyle Quantrill. Yes. Um, he had one of his better starts in the last two months. He walked only one and was able to keep the ball down. Despite that, he once again struggled to finish off batters when he got ahead and still needed 95 pitches to get through five innings. But he did well. And, you know, that's a little bit of a positive. Um, and right now, I, I want to focus on a positive with Kyle. Okay. Um, just 
You know, and, and God, I, we just let him, if he can just relax and just play his game, you know, I think he'll do so much better. Um, you know, he's dropped down several times in, in a couple of the top 100 lists. I think he was off the 100 list. Mm-hmm. In fact, I edited out of the agenda that he, uh, on the uh, on the Pipeline podcast, they were saying, uh, Jonathan Mayo, I think, said that he just missed the top 100 because of his struggles. Okay. Um, but there's still plenty of time for him to get it back together either this season or work on the stuff in the offseason coming in next year. Um, there's no rush. We, You know, the pressure that I think he puts on himself and, you know, rightfully so, being a high, such a high draft pick, mm-hmm. that he doesn't need to just pitch your game. You know, and I think it'll come. Well, they say that the stuff comes back first after Tommy John. The command takes the longest yeah. for pitchers to come back with, which is what makes what Paddock is doing just freakish, even more superhuman. Right. But but Cal Quantrill is a better example of what a real human does right. coming back from Tommy John. Right. I still think there's lots in the tank there. I think there's a high upside for him, uh, just like, but it's Tommy John, so you're right. Mm-hmm. Some people, like... Paddock is an outlier. Like, that never happens. I, I don't think you can... Uh, you can look at a lot of the Tommy John guys and go, like, you don't come back that fast without... I don't know. That just... It doesn't happen. That's uh-huh. an outlier. More likely, the Colin Ray. Yeah. The, you know, the Cal Quantrill. Robbie Erlin. Robbie Erlin. It just mm-hmm. takes a while for that to happen. Um, which I think makes for a better picture in the long run. Hopefully. Uh, let's move on to the storm here. Um, Sunday, last Sunday... Uh, Ronald Bolanos continued his solid Cal League season after a shaky beginning where he had an ERA of seven by the end of May, where he had nearly two he had nearly two base runners per inning. Woof. And nine outings since, his ERA sits at 306 and has allowed a whip of 1.19. Over the last two months, he struck out 3.5 more hitters uh, than he's walked. Speaking of in-season turnarounds, Marcus Green had a 622 OPS through his first two months. But he has added more than 100 points in that total since June 1. The 23-year-old catcher has hit nine of the last 10 games. Marcus Green was the catcher when we were at the game and the brawls were breaking out. Oh, that's right! Yeah, the guy's a bulldog. Oh. Um, Speaking of those brawls, Eggy Rosario. <laughs> exactly. Uh, after struggling through for a 3-for-32 stretch, Eggy Rosario put on a show Thursday night, reaching base in all five of his plate appearances and... Ch- and Crossing home three times, he may only carry a four. Uh, sorry, he may only carry a two forty seven, three seventeen, three ninety three line on the season for like Elsinore, but for a player who won't turn nineteen for another month, it's been a pretty damn good year. Yeah, yeah. and we, I think we overlook how young a lot of these guys are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw on a on a tweet, I think in Fangraphs. Somebody was asking Eric Longenhagen about the struggles that the Tin Caps players are having, but they've got like five guys that are teenagers. Should down be seniors there. in high school. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's they're gonna struggle. They're being pushed. They're being tested. Yeah. So it, give them give them some time. And Eggy's one of those examples, and he's doing great for being playing over his head. Really, when you look at the level he's at. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. If you look at some of the the, the rosters of some of these other teams in in Fort Wayne. In you know in Lake Elsinore, 22, 23, uh, 21. You know these guys are in their twenties, and half the rosters are all full eighteen and nineteen year olds. Yeah, 
Uh, speaking of 18 or 19 year olds, this last Sunday, Adrian Morahone came off the disabled list. Yay! He was on the shelf for six weeks after experiencing arm soreness. Cruised through four innings relatively easily. The lefty gave up and allowed gave up allowed a one out walk in the second and put two on with one out in the third, but retired the last five batters he faced. Cal League opponents have hit just two thirty two against him all year, and he struck out more than a batter an inning. With Sunday's outing, Morahone has now worked more innings than he did in his debut season as an eighteen year old last year. Uh, he needed only 48 pitches to get through his work Sunday. You know, and this is what they're starting to get, and real quick, Avila piggybacked to the start to pitch five scoreless on that. So that's what they do a lot of that in Fort Wayne, where you'll see a starter pitch four innings, three innings, and then another starter will pitch the remainder of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, to limit these guys, once again, they're young. They're not used to throwing so long. Um, and they want to really just bring these guys along slowly. So you mentioned the piggyback, and that made me think of what just happened the other day, that Baez, Michelle Baez, was going to make the start. He was warming up, yeah. and he left the game before making a, a pitch. And then I guess his piggyback partner was Brian Mitchell, who went in and got torched. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> what freaked everyone out was the tweet was, the trainer came up to, you know, they had the trainer walk up to the mound, yeah. and then he walked off. Yeah. And so you hear trainer... You're like, there it is. Yep. Another 18 months. Yeah. The guy down the drain. And then he got scratched again. But then they're saying that it's not something physical. No. I, it was miscommunication, I believe, to a degree. And this was last night. Um, to He was supposed to start today. But now um, another pitcher. I can't remember if it's Emmanuel, um, Emmanuel Ramirez. Ramirez, I think. yes. Um, but he's not pitching till tomorrow. But what would so you're standing there warming up, and then the the trainer comes out and you leave. How is it not going to be something physically related? Right. right. I mean, <clears throat> you're you're a professional athlete. You can't stand there and go, well, you know, I'm thinking my hamster died last night, right. and I'm just sad, and I can't focus on executing today. That that no, you got to put on your big boy pants and go out there and pitch. So it had to have been something physical that just didn't feel right right and they're not going to say it as we know from the major league roster that the Padres they keep their cards close to the vest when they it do. comes to when it comes to injuries when it comes to anything like that they keep mm-hmm. it close to their chest which I can respect um, as, as a fan as someone who you know has a podcast I want to know everything right now I want MRIs you know, at the clubhouse. Yeah, but it's none of our business on some level. It is none of our business on all levels. Mm-hmm. We're just fans that want to know. Yeah. And when we don't get what we want, we riot. We riot. <laughs> Such as Padres Twitter. Oh, man. So back to Fort Wayne. Yeah, under Fort Wayne, under our boy Luis Patino. Not only is the lowest ERA in the Midwest League over the last two months, but the lowest ERA in all of full season ball. Ladies and gentlemen, that is from full season A ball all the way up to triple A. That's what they mean by full season ball. Wednesday was the Colombian's third start of five innings or more without allowing a hit. He's seen the jump in his strikeout rate deeper into the season while walking fewer. Opponents are hitting just 204 against him. <coughs> and here's a great game. Uh, that next day, Thursday, once again, um, Tom Cosgrove went up against Hunter Green. Wait, so Luis Patino, he's 18. He's four years younger than the average player 
In Fort Wayne. In Fort in, yeah, in, in the Midwest League. In the Midwest in League. And he's leading the he's leading the league yeah. in ERA over the last yeah. what two months? That's just I love it. I love it. Absolutely. And Stay I, healthy, please. <laughs> you know, and, and here's the thing with 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 just he's doing really well in A ball. Yes. You know, we see him doing really well in A ball, and over the past month or so, he's been kind of the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. He's come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. just blowing doors. Um, and all of a sudden, I want him to be the starter next month. You know what I mean? I want him in the majors by the end of September. Yeah, you know, but there's there's so many big steps to get from there. So many steps. Yeah. But I think with the, with a team like the the talent that the Padres have, that it should go fairly well. It, it, with the stuff that he has, high nineties, really good secondaries, that should play moving up. Mm-hmm. Need location. Need consistency with the pitches. But you need to understand sequencing. Exactly. Um, but all that stuff can develop and move real quick. Well, and another thing that they develop at this level is just the routine. Yeah. How to prepare your body. Yeah. What kind of workouts are you doing? What are you eating? What What's your sleep habit? What are you doing on your off days? Mm. I, there's so much that these guys have to learn to be a professional ball player other than how to throw, catch, hit, run. Exactly. There's so much more to it. To be an overall Professional, yeah, professional player. Um, so back to back to uh, Tom Cosgrove, Max Green, inning for inning for the first five friends till a walk and two singles put a run on the board. His only run allowed. The 22-year-old struck out eight. Now, see, he's 22. Mm-hmm. was 18. <laughs> um, to a 22-year-old struck out eight in a game for the fourth time this season. His strong 83 to 26 strikeout to walk ratio and avoidance of home runs. Give him a, a FIP, a FIP, more than a full run below a 4.39 ERA. So the FIP, that's the fielding independent pitching, that suggests that he's been particularly unlucky. Hmm. They're hitting the ball and it's finding spots. It's it's falling in brands. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the next. Oh, so this is great. This happened. I believe this happened last night. Mackenzie pitched yesterday. The newly promoted Hunter Jarman came up from Tri Cities. Poked a fly ball. Now they say poked here. I I saw that he hit it to the he hit it to the fence in center, um, over over shallow outfield to drive in the winning run and give the Tin Caps a walk off victory. Yeah. Welcome to A ball, kid. Yeah. Your first game, you do that. That'll make you some friends on the league. That'll oh, get yeah. you in uh-huh. and good. Um, Mackenzie Gore, once again, was a star of the show. The 19 year old lefty blew through five innings of work, striking out eight overall, including five in a row. From the first, from the first through third innings, with his fastball sitting easily around 95 and a sharp feel for his breaking balls, Gore allowed only a pair of hits. He briefly lost feel in the fourth when he went to a three-ball counts to the first three batters he faced, but the 19-year-old regrouped nicely and got out of the inning unscathed. He needed just 56 pitches to get to his work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Since returning from the disabled list, the Padres' top pitching prospect sports a 2.48 ERA. With over a 12 to 9, uh, 12 K to 9 innings pitch, and has held opponents to under a 200 batting average. Keep up the good work, kid. Yeah, absolutely. We're starting to see him really starting to hit his stride, mm-hmm. really getting economical. <laughs> and if you guys heard that, I think the girls are done. And we are almost done. We're not there yet. We're getting there. We're moving on to Tri Cities. So, 
this last Wednesday. This is the big news of the week. This is the big news. You really should have let off with this because I want to give Tri-Cities the love that they deserve. Yeah. Five players have been selected to represent the Northwest League in this year's All-Star Game. The fourth annual Northwest League vs. Pioneer Baseball League All-Star Game takes place on Tuesday, August 7th. So this is the fourth year. It's not just the All-Star Game, but they're starting to play the Pioneer League. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Owen Miller, Olivier Basby, right-handers Henry Henry and Jordan Guerrero, and left-handed Dan Dallas all made the team. Miller and Basby have each been selected to the All-Star Game to start. So Miller, uh, Owen Miller, and Olivier have been our starters. You know, I didn't see what position they they were designated at. Owen Miller's a shortstop, he's and a short. Basabe, I think he's been playing third base more than anything. Uh, he could be. Um, Miller, this year's third-round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, has had an outstanding season as he has a 337 batting average and has recorded 58 hits. Basby, the eighth-round selection of the Padres in the 2017 draft, has been on fire the first half of the season. In the month of July, he has had a 340 batting average, nine doubles, and three home runs. He currently leads the Dust Devils in RBIs at 25 and is second only to fellow All-Star Miller in hits, 40, and overall batting average, 315. Henry Square. Well, that was awkward. Is that like getting photo bombed? That's just got we just got pod bombed. We, we just got podcast pod bombed. That was a pod bomb. Oh, can just let us just leave us alone. <laughs> All right, so Henry Henry. Thank you. Henry Henry was the uh, he was the game winning pitcher in last, last year. year's yeah. All Star game. So he's going to be making a second appearance in the All Star game for the for the uh, Northwest League. Yeah, he's compiled a 4-1 record this season and currently holds a 2.95 ERA. Henry leads the team in innings pitched at 42 and two-thirds and is second only to Dan Dallas in total strikeouts. Oh, yeah, Dan Dallas. At 34, Dan Dallas, though, is a reliever. Yeah. Um, so Dallas is having a fantastic start of his uh, affiliate ball. He was originally signed to a free agent minority contract at the Dominican Republic. That, that's Henry Henry was signed. Yeah. Uh, Guerrero, who rejoined the Dust Devils this season after his stint in Fort Wayne, has been dominant against Northwest League competitors all season. He's recorded a 2-1 record with a 0-0-0 ERA in 14 games. That's like Blutarski's um, grade point average. Right, Blue- Animal House? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's old school. <laughs> Drunk, um, fat, and stupid is no way to go through life, right. son. <laughs> uh, his ERA in 14 games and leads the team in both saves for and with .79. Dallas, a relief pitcher for the Dust Devils out of Canisius. 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 Uh, high school in New York has been spectacular out of the bullpen this season. In 13 appearances, he's recorded a 1.93 ERA and has given up just 12 hits to opposing batters. He currently leads the Dust Devils pitching staff with 38 strikeouts. So all five of these guys, and Miller was drafted this year. The rest of them have been in the organization for a couple years you got to figure that all of them are going to move up as soon as an opportunity open, clears up in front of them. Has to, particularly Basby and Miller. has just been killer. Yeah. Um, I, I and think, Dallas. Yeah, and Dallas is... I'm pretty sure at the end of the season, as the there's going to be some move-ups in September. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to kind of close out. No, not quite close. Yeah, we're going to close out um, Fort Wayne here. Lefty Omar Cruz, who Tri- just came Tri- up. City. Oh, sorry. Am I in this? Yeah, sorry. Tri-Cities. Thank you. Um, lefty Omar Cruz turned in another solid outing, giving up one run over four and two-thirds innings of work. 
The 19-year-old from Mexico opened the game with a walk-and-hit batter, but then got eight of the next nine batters he faced. Another member of the Dust Devil staff who relies on command and smarts more than velocity. Cruz has struck out 14 in his two outings in the Northwest League and owns a strong 44-8 to strikeout-to-walk ratio across 29 and two-thirds innings and two short season levels in his professional debut season. Yeah, he yeah he started out in the Arizona League yeah. and got a quick promotion there. And he's one of these guys that doesn't... He's been great all season so far. And has pitches. Came out of nowhere. Doesn't need the velocity. Mm-hmm. Knows how to sequence. Knows how to use all three pitches. Knows how to pitch. And that, is, that works so much better than having a 98-mile-an-hour heater mm-hmm. and a slider. Mm-hmm. Being able to pitch, um, you will move up faster. So let's, uh, let's finish up here with the, the AZL. This last Sunday, uh, Sean Gulabi is off to a hot start to his professional career, sporting a 310, 442, and a 548 line in his first 12 games. And his two doubles Sunday bring his extra base hit total to eight. Excuse me. Uh, Wednesday, Lee Solomon had a pair of homers and his fourth, uh, and his four now lead the AZL club. The Lipsticum University of Product has posted a strong 286, 405, and a 486 uh, while playing all over the field. He's just playing all over. Um, Saturday, Ephraim Contreras picked up his first professional victory. Congratulations, Ephraim. Uh, along with one run, allowing one run over five innings. The 18-year-old who came over from the DSL last month has a 19-to-5 strikeout-to-walk ratio in his first 21 innings. Uh, you know, and these are just, and they're small sample sizes, but mm-hmm. uh, like, and I'll say this, and I say it every every episode, it's good to see them performing. It's good to see good results. Mm-hmm. Uh, to finish out this last Wednesday, Jefferson Garcia produced one of the better outings in the AZL this season. The eight, Another 18-year-old from Venezuela struck out a career-high 10 batters without walking a batter. In addition to the big league strikeout numbers, he is averaging less than two walks per nine innings in his first professional season. While both Xavier, uh, Xavier Edwards and Tusapita, Marcano, Tucapita, Tusapita, till we hear otherwise, um, continued their ridiculous assaults on the ESL when ALZ, um, AZL Wednesday. Both infielders had OPS above 900 and more walks than strikeouts. Also, catcher Allison Quintero also added three hits to his own. The 18-year-old was one of the prized 16-year-olds in the Padres' 2016 J2 class, but missed most of last year with injuries. <coughs> so there's, so that wraps up our uh, rundown of the minors. There was one thing that happened this week that was kind of fun. The, uh, the, the trade deadline came and went. It came and went. And... And our farm remained intact. If anything, with the addition of Francisco Mejia, the farm became a little bit more bountiful. Um, but uh, Padres Twitter was pretty happy that all of our all of our players got to stay yeah. in our basket. And there was a round of shots that went around. Um, Luke from South Bay started it off by shotgunning a beer, and that was a that was a fun the idea. Yeah, the that, podcast. That at six nineteen, everybody should post videos of them shotgunning beers. So that turned into people chugging chugging water and doing shots and all of this. I I just I love the the community feel yeah. of that. Yeah. That that there are that many people that are following the miners that are excited about what the team's doing, yeah. and so much so that we didn't trade anybody away and we're happy. Absolutely. And uh, except for Cass for days where he's 40 years old and he doesn't shotgun beers. 
So, <laughs> and I don't drink, and I had a sip of coffee. What did what did Caps for Days do though? He did something. He had an IPA. And he, I think he drank. Is that what he showed it like sitting on his front yeah, porch? Was like, that him? Yeah, I don't shotgun beers. I'm 40 years old. Whatever. I thought about shotgunning a bottle of water just because. Oh <laughs> right. Just for the hell of it. Done. Yeah. Um, you know, real quick, one of the weird things that's been happening in the AZL is it's the time of the season where there's dust storms. Oh so yeah. They, they've had like I think two or at least two games canceled. Um, and one game, um, Ryan Weathers pitched in it and pitched those two innings, and they called the game because of the dust storm. So what happens? Do his stats go away? No, they just it's a short it's a short game. Okay. It, it's, I don't know whether it's, it's complex ball, so it doesn't yeah. necessarily count. But um, it's the monsoon season right now in Arizona, so they get these incredible high winds. Um, I saw a, 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 I follow Kyle Loesch, uh on Instagram, and former major leaguer. Former major leaguer, uh, still not pitching. I think is on his uh, profile. <laughs> he he videotaped from the safety of inside his home all his floaty toys in his pool getting blown out of his backyard. Oh my gosh! And then the next you know the next frame in the story was him out in the field looking for it, and they're like couldn't find them. They're gone. <laughs> um, but you see, there's just these incredibly high winds, um, and then you see the dust in the distance where you see a big dust cloud, like you see on TV, yeah, or in the movies when they show these dust clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've we've been out there before when they've had a dust storm where you see it coming. The winds are blowing, and like we need to get indoors by the time that gets to us. Oh yeah, because you're getting sandblasted. Yeah, and then they also have these incredible um, thunderstorms and flash floods and lightning. There's a lot of weather right now. Um, you may see some of that here in San Diego in the mountains. You'll see these giant thunderheads to the east, um, and it's just kind of the monsoon season that comes up through Mexico in uh, into uh, Arizona and Phoenix. So there's been a lot of games played. Um, and on top of that, it's 150 degrees there. Yeah. So right? you're telling me don't move to Phoenix. Right. Stay in San Diego where it's nice and 75 degrees. Yes. Well, that's all we got. You can find me, SD Donovan, uh, Major League Lava on Twitter. And you can find me at Zippy underscore TMS. Thanks for joining us, everybody.